This was by far the hardest thing that I had to do in my life so far. It was by far the hardest thing that I experienced in my life so far. And it's another experience with death that I brought on myself. But it's also the first time that I wasn't afraid of death and I actually wanted to die. And that felt amazing. It really freed me, really freed me. I kept on going into therapy, which really, really helped me to get back on my knees as well. Within this therapy one day, and that was a twist point for me, that this day, which I will never forget, broke a huge cycle that I had for the last 15 years, I don't know, maybe less, more than a decade of me being obsessed with death and convinced within a certain path about death, this will has finally broke. How? I went to a party. I, I went to a party and I took, I don't recommend to anyone, but I took acid, but just a tiny, tiny bit. Enough to open my eyes, enough to open my eyes and enough also to keep me in control. And then I didn't want to be there anymore. So I called my best friend. He came to pick me up and for hours, for hours we went by a river and talked about death and Again, I'm on acid, but I'm quite clear in my head. But I have all these realizations that I never had in the past. And that, that I couldn't be with a better person in a better place at this time. And um, we are just talking and talking and talking. And at some point, I'm just like, I'm the queen of death and blah, blah, blah. And this is a sign to me. And this is my destiny. And, you know, acid talk, whatever. But... All this environment of, an environment of nature, all this environment of nature, the person that he is and the way he allowed me to express myself and how he reacted to me with the drugs, it opened something. And since that day on, I was no longer afraid of death. Something broke that day and I had a good few years, very good few years. I know after these few years that my natural self is the happiest human, human being I've ever met in my life. I have clear moments of euphoria if you, can, if you only allow me, if my brain only allows me. And that's just grateful for the sun to shine, but like genuinely happy from the inside. And I lived like that for about three years, but... Everything I just said and most small occasions along the way were enough to scar me for life. So this euphoria only lasted just a very, very small fraction of my life till it slowly sneaked back into my life. That leads me to the part of how it looked like, the effect, the feeling. What do you mean existential OCD? I'm going to explain exactly how it looked like how it feels like, and then I will go into the practical thing of diagnose. Let's go to the symptoms. Cheers. Hi guys, thank you for coming back. It's not so happy, but thank you for coming back. 
this podcast is going to be the continue of the one from last week or from the last episode. This podcast, we're going to focus on symptoms that I experienced along the year, which they did develop. They did change shape along the years as well. Um, and I know that a lot of you guys experience that and you don't even know what you're experiencing. So I'm here to tell you. All right. I don't know if I will have that much to say. And I really don't mind if this specific podcast will be only um, 10 minutes or whatever. What I'm trying to achieve on this podcast, if you can diagnose yourself, if it sounds relatable, what I'm saying, go and try to check it out because it's not going to get better on its own. I don't care if you believe in therapy or not. It's the nature of these conditions, especially OCD, is to take over. It's, it's like a demon. You need to take care of that in ways that you don't know how to take care of because if you would, it wouldn't came to where it is today. Now, it's not your fault. You don't know that you have it till it's too late. You don't realize how severe it is till it's in your throat every second of the day. And maybe it will never be there. But I don't believe in fixing it on your own. Me personally, I don't. So along the years, I was diagnosed with tons of things, which we know nowadays that most of them were inaccurate and even untrue. I will do the diagnosis, the diagnose, the diagnostic part I will do separately. I want to discuss about the symptoms. I had, I think one of the main things that I had to deal with was, I never said that only to like really close friends. I always hide it, used to hide it. From the age of nine, I started to take off my hair very severely. The first time was my actual hair. I remember I had here. I don't, don't ask me why. Like the first time I took my hair was from here. Then I was like a bit bored in this part. There was literally a spot here that was empty. I took it all off with my hands slowly um very quickly it went to the eyebrows and that was a mess i'm sorry i don't have a picture to show you but i'm not sorry about that as well i try i tried to take my hair from legs but i like but i didn't like it i even tried to take my hair down there but i don't have it <laughs> Sorry for the details. I'm, I'm here to be as truthful as I can possibly be. And I think I settled quite nicely with my eyelashes. I am not taking, I, I didn't take my hair off as a punishment. It gave me peace and it was joyful for me. I literally diagnosed myself it took me about four years from the beginning of the whole hair thingy. I tried to separate events that happened during the day, small and big, so I can understand what was the trigger, why I'm doing this, because the doctors, they were very, very far. I realized that I'm doing that whenever I don't feel that I'm good enough. And that can happen from an argument with your parent, a bad result of a test you did, a fallout with a friend. Or maybe you just woke up and you don't feel pretty today. As a, as, as a child, as a nine-year-old, it's very easy to find reasons not to feel good enough. You don't really understand anything that's going on here. And I always had that in me. And I was like, I was um, 
a kid that went through boycott at school. So that wasn't that was an easy thing for me. So as long as I could, I took my eyelashes out very often. And I realized after four years that I feel very often that I'm not good enough. And I did start to work on it. But when it comes to the eyelashes, regardless to everything that I was already dealing with, which goes back to the story from the last podcast, I had to deal with the embarrassment and the appearance of not having hair in certain places. And then the questions, because I didn't know how to hide it. I just, I just remember endless amount of time me coming without eyelashes. And when you see someone without eyelashes, you look at them like that. You're like, what's, something is off. Till maybe you realize that they have no eyelashes, but it takes time to understand that something is, is not there. They just look sick or something. Or when they have holes in them, eyebrows or whatever. And some people ask you directly, or, and some people say, you just look weird, you just look off. I didn't know how to hide it with makeup or something. So I just had to deal with the shame, with the feeling within myself of doing that, with maintaining that, with trying to hide it and try to explain it and then try to excuse it in a way because I will not just come to people and say yeah I I took off my hair no fucking way I remember the peak of it was when I was 12 but that's something that lasts for years and that's something that started or at least I realized when it happened when I don't feel good enough with myself for whatever reason and I started to work on my relationships with the people around me and with God and with myself and with my parents and not that not to change the relationships but what they do to affect me what's the effect on me and that was the only solution for me to stop with the hair unfortunately when it comes down to the hair it stopped for good years it stopped for a long time and it came back and as if it changed form the trigger is not the same trigger anymore and i don't know what it is and to be honest with you i'm tired of trying to control it And I don't do it as often as I used to do. But nowadays having eyelashes to take off is like a pill to me when I have a panic attack. And if it's dying from a panic attack or taking my eyelashes off, I'm taking my my eyelashes off every day. But it still takes me down every time. I feel after that so unworthy. I know other people do that as well. Or other things but I feel so unworthy I feel ugly I feel I'm just getting bummed when I can't put mascara on it or when I need to hide it the reason why I'm saying it now it's because I'm really tired of it even though I had lashes eyelashes for good years now it is what it is no one is perfect my condition is at least affecting no one but me I will not take off your eyelashes and you will not see me taking my eyelashes off. It will always happen in private. It doesn't jeopardize my health, but it's just something that for me is unpleasant. And when I date someone and I need to hide it or I need to risk it till he see it. And then I immediately think, well, he could have he could have been here with someone that have eyelashes because that is a really, really weird thing. To see someone without eyelashes, there must be a good reason why this situation happens in your eyes. I don't know why I try to hide it, but I kind of decided that I might want to go out and 
announce it straight away when someone asks or whatever, but I'm not making the effort to hide it more than my comfort zone anymore. So if you want to take a look now, for example, I don't have all my eyelashes. Never showed it to anyone, but I don't know if you can see. I'll try to get closer. Or maybe to close my eyes. I don't know if it's clear to you, but I have only here. And I have only here. Anyway, like all of this, all of this is pretty much gone. Starts to come back now. They always come back. It's just, it is what it is. And I believe that I have a lot to give. I believe I have other great things that other people don't have. As much as other people don't have my bad things. So I think if it's my friends or my a potential partner to accept me with or without eyelashes, I think it's a good deal <laughs> in consideration of what's going on out there and what's going on with me. But yeah, it's something that probably will always come back on and off. It's one of the symptoms. It's not a reason. Um, I don't know why it happens nowadays because as I said, it changed form. It, it's not the same shape. It's not the same reason. Kind of tired to, to chase it. So I'm just trying now to focus on a healthy process. Hopefully the hair thingy will not come back or will disappear with my healthy process as well later on down the line. But the hair is something that I heard from friends of mine that they experienced as well. I know that some of you watching it and experienced that. More people than you can imagine doing that when they're stressed or whatever. And I'm one of them. So that's, that's the first one. By the way, I'm, I might want to be as pretty as I think I am with eyelashes. And it's a bummer. It's not a positive thing. And I'm not using that as an example to, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's something to be aware of. And if you want to take care of as well. But I, I don't love, I, I, it's, I don't want to say, I learned to love that about myself. No. I learned to accept that and with everything that's going on in life and in my life, let the eyelashes be the least of your problems. I learned to accept myself with that. Do I love it? No. Do I accept it? I do. I do and I hope that my surrounding can accept that as well and I hope that the next guy that I'm dating and see me without the eyelashes will still look at me as if I'm super pretty and as if he don't care. We'll never know. I mean, we will. We'll see. <laughs> That's one of the symptoms. The other symptom with the OCD is an extreme obsession. This is the OCD. So I used to have all these ceremonies, which again, I never told anyone, of closing the closet door, um, even though I already closed it like five times. Otherwise, I couldn't go to sleep. And I genuinely believe that if I'm not going to do that, God will be very fearful with me and it will revenge me at some point in the near future. And I just need to do it. It's compulsive or I have no peace. And I had to knock on wood certain amount of times. And whenever I went to the toilet, I had this prayer that I was repeating, like with repetitive, it was three times, three sets, sorry, three sets, three times each set. That's not how you pray. But I couldn't put before that. So I did it. Um, what else? When it comes to my fears, I completely avoided living just to avoid these fears. Because when I confront these fears, 
it results in anxiety attack later on down the line. These anxiety attacks developed into panic attacks. So it started with me as a child just getting up from the sofa and walking from side to side of the house like a crazy person. And it escalated with the years. At some point, I couldn't sleep alone. And I had friends that, especially after the the abortion I couldn't deal with life and I had friends basically babysitting me every day a friend slept over a female friend yeah slept over because I couldn't sleep on my own I didn't feel safe from myself I didn't feel safe to close my eyes death was hunting me and I cannot close my eyes and I started at this point to believe that in ghosts and all these things that I do believe in but I was scared of it it managed my life I had friends babysitting me. I never slept alone. I think for two years, I can count on one hand the amount of nights that I actually slept on my own, which is insane. And within that routine, I I think another symptom, I lost it. I couldn't be in peace whenever I live like other people. Whenever I, Whenever everything is supposedly calm, this is where quiet comes in and I did not deal well with quiet. Because whenever it's quiet, it's just a room for my thoughts and my anxiety to creep in. So I need to keep it all the time very, very high. Literally high all the time to keep you off my mind. Literally. And that was involving me going out every night. Seven days a week. Lots of alcohol. Lots of drugs. Lots of sex. Lots of distractions. Not managing a healthy routine. My parents were extremely worried. Everything just to keep my mind busy, everything, just not to sleep alone at night, anything, anything. I always had someone to grab me, so it never lead into something chaotic like me being on the street or so, but it definitely harmed the relationship me and my parents had, and um, I knew it a, I knew it a stage, so I didn't fight it. I don't think there was another way for me back then, even nowadays, when I manage my life without all of this hustle but I don't think at this point in time there was any other solution for me really so I don't regret it but I am sad that it came to such a level that I need to escape from myself like how sad that not only I you cannot be a home to yourself but you are your own enemy big time my father came to me one day and he was extremely worried. And I said to him, do you really think that I'm going to live like that for the rest of my life? It's a stage. It's going to pass. And at some point, smoking weed started to cause me an anxiety, which I already had. But now every time that I smoked, I have a full on anxiety attack. So I can't smoke anymore. So I can't smoke anymore at this point. I did do acid and MD, but my last experiences almost left me in a crazy people house. And I'm certain till that day that if I'll do it again, then I will not be the same. I got out of it by luck. I pushed it too much. So drugs are no longer an option. There's no friends that really wants to drink every day and that you want them to be your friend. I'm starting to get lonely even when I never sleep alone. And I want to, I want some meaning. Like I've been escaping for a year and a half ever since I got out of the army. And I did so much in this year and a half. I escaped enough. And now I want something of my own because whatever I'm doing so far 
is not enough anymore. And I'm looking for a boyfriend to, at this point, be my savior, really. Because then I have someone that I can trust with my deepest things and someone that I can sleep with every night. I'll never be alone. I'll never afraid. He should be like a man that like I feel protected by and whatever. And with this search, no, back then it was 100% the search. Um, with this search that I'm doing, I am settling down a bit. I find a job after a long time. I move back from the city to my parents' house. I'm starting to eat well. I'm starting to walk out. I don't go out every day anymore. And I just start to live life. And the boyfriend comes. That's not important to the story, but I was looking for someone to be my pill. I was looking for someone to fix or to shut down whatever it is that I'm experiencing. And it worked for a while, but the solution is within me, which I was, I was trying deeply to avoid. After the experience I had with the acid, things turned out for the better. Before I'm going to the part of how I took care of myself, panic attacks. I had amazing few years, I want to say three to four years, that I didn't touch my hair. I didn't had any anxiety attacks, not to mention panic attacks. I was living life. I was functioning. I worked. I, I had a relationship. I had good family relationships. I had everything. But I think, and again, I don't blame anyone. And I'm sorry for speaking so slow, but I think, I think that my last relationship came to a point that came to a point that it triggered a lot of things, which I cannot put my hand, I cannot put my finger on all the triggers, but I do feel like it triggered a lot of things that with time, as it escalates, so does my condition. And I didn't see it well enough to take care of it. And in the last, the last year of the last relationship, was really, really rough in terms of my mental health. He didn't even see it at the beginning. And again, this mental health situation, these symptoms is something that no one will see and no one will know unless I'll tell him. Unless I'll tell you, you would not know because you, you tend to hide it. You don't want people to see you in a panic attack. But it came to a point that my attacks are so severe that I look like I'm experiencing a heart attack. I scream and I can't stop it. I'm literally screaming. I'm, I'm hitting things, which makes noise as well, so he can hear it. I throw up from the stress everywhere and I lock myself in the toilet, having a diarrhea for a good amount of time while screaming as well, or very heavily breathing. And at some point, I lost any taste, any relationship with the concept of living. That became a constant pain 24-7. And now the only thing that managed me is my anxiety, which, uh, which is in a form of panic attacks now. I stopped work. I, I, I didn't eat. I lost a lot of weight. I didn't drink. I didn't communicate. I shut down completely. I had moments that I literally sat on the sofa staring at nothing. I had days like that. And I don't blame anyone. It was there before my partner, but for some reason I thought that I had I thought that I got rid of that because I didn't experience anything for a while. And something triggered it and it came back stronger than ever and nothing could control it anymore. And then I had a clear thought of killing myself. 
I had a clear thought of killing myself. And I'm not a suicidal person. And the only time I really wanted to die was, as I said earlier, with my baby, which was no longer the case. I don't want to die anymore. But in the middle of an attack, a panic attack, which at this point lasts for like hours, then I... I rather die than keep on living like that. And I don't feel and I don't think that there's any solution for that. No chance. And I remember when I sat down with my partner, forget about his role then and there, but I remember me sitting with him in the balcony, calling my dad, really, really holding myself from the idea of jumping because I really wanted to jump. I had a very, very clear moment that I wanted to end it. And I said, I'm going to jump. I think the only reason that I didn't jump is because I didn't want my partner to be traumatized. I didn't want my parents to be in sorrow. And I was afraid of the possibility that I might want to die from this height of the fourth floor, which is not for me as well. It was so, so strong that even when it for a second calmed down, I came to my partner back then, to my boyfriend, and I said to him, let's have sex, I need to be distracted. And I'm saying that while I'm in an attack. That was, I'll never do it again. Let's, let's put it that way. I'll never do that thing to myself again. This is not the right time to have sex, guys. Let's just put it that way. But I really, I was so desperate to just brush it off I said maybe if I'll come maybe if I'll have sex whatever didn't work depression came along with all these panic attacks that made me want not to be here anymore and then I was diagnosed with clinical depression and I refused pills why because I'm stubborn which made it even worse and then my judgment were completely in harm at this point my Parents are rotating me or whatever you say it. My parents are basically two weeks my my father comes here, two weeks my mom comes here. I don't live in Israel anymore. I live in Cyprus. I moved and my partner used to live here with me when we were still together. Moving back was not an option. I had a life here and my amazing parents just stopped them life to make sure that I am not killing myself. And I wanted to, I had like times that I never said it, but like I had a time that I was looking at a knife while eating a steak and I wanted to cut myself so bad. And and I'm, I'm looking at it and at the same time, this is not, this is not the right way to go. And I did, I was smart enough to communicate my parents there, my, my will to die, to, to put an end to it. I was, I was just tired. And I remember I had a very, very rough conversation with them. And I was thinking a lot before doing that conversation with them. They were the only ones that I really, really wanted an approval not to be here anymore because I knew that they were the only ones that will be affected for life in unimaginable way. And so I had a conversation with them. The next time I was in Israel, they knew that I'm not okay. They were with me every night when I'm screaming on the phone because of panic attacks and whatever. And I sat down with them and I tried to explain to them how it looks like and how I feel. And they even never saw me throw up before. I just let everything go. Like literally that night I had a huge panic attack. My mom held my hair the whole night. The whole night when I was, you're, you're just puking. It's just a desperate move of your body to try and relieve stress. So you're just puking. So at this point, I'm sitting down with my parents and I'm trying to explain to them how I feel. 
how it looks like, why I lost five kilos or four kilos, whatever it was, because I'm throwing up every day. I have no point in living. I cannot eat anymore. I don't want to eat because I will throw it up later. What's the point? Not throwing up, by the way, willingly. It's just come out. <sighs> that I don't sleep. That I literally sleep like 10 hours a week. And I stopped walking so I can sleep during the day. Because the symptoms of my condition are proven to be different during the day and during the night. And during the day... So somehow the daylight gives me comfort and I can sleep for like an hour or two, which I cannot do during the night because these panic attacks, they, even when I do fall asleep, they just wake me up and I just wake up like my grandfather. So I'm just trying to explain my parents what I'm experiencing and why I'm so tired of myself and so tired of being here. And I'm asking them the most terrifying thing that you can ever ask from a parent, which is a permission to kill yourself. I really asked the permission to kill myself. And I'm sure there's a lot of other symptoms that I am missing because it's so overwhelming. But I think you got a good, clear idea. As far as it comes to diagnosed and treatment. I guess we will do it on another part. Thank you for joining. Sorry if I bumped your day. I promise that this story does end well. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining LG Opinion. See you.